0: Hello, welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast, uh, our Christmas special and last uh, episode of the year. My name is James Fuller and I'm joined by Matt Fallais. Uh, we've got a special guest coming up in the programme later on, which is Deputy Peter furbrush the now deposed former President of Policy and Resources. But before that, we're just going to have a quick look through what has happened in local politics in 2023 and what might be happening in 2024. So, Matt, what are you seeing from the uh, Public Gallery of the Royal Court? Well,
1: in the last 12 months, tax, tax and tax, or, or more likely no tax. Sorry, tax. Tax and less tax, isn't it? But debates, endless debates about this condition of public finances. I mean, th- that has been not just the theme of 2023. It's been the year has been do- completely dominated by, um, in the end, several debates running over several states meetings about the, the state of public finances and the now former PNRs. Attempts to get a package including GST through the states. I mean, they had a go in February. Uh, they had another go in, like, was it October? I think into November, and the months in between were were dominated by their efforts to to try and persuade the states. I mean, you have to say in the end they failed. Um, it it probably prompted uh, their uh, the, the the loss their loss on the motion of no confidence debate. In fact, I think they they, did they add maybe one states member between the February and October or November debates? I think one additional states member, well, maybe two, perhaps Sam Haskins and John Gollop ended up supporting PNR's GSD package where they hadn't earlier in the year. But effectively, they didn't make any ground up at all in the states over the course of the year. I think they perhaps did publicly. I think there was less resistance or perhaps more understanding of their position by the autumn than there had been um, earlier in the year. But you, you have to say that, that a, a state's which anybody standing at the last election doing any rudimentary research knew there was a projected deficit in public finances of tens of millions a year. And yet, uh, you know, three years into this state's term, almost nothing at all has been done to address that projected deficit. So... You know, by by most states members own admission, that has been a
0: serious failure of this term, but in particular of this calendar year. Uh, and we're now seeing that that l- lack of funding is is impacting almost every debate the states are having. I mean, you can't. Uh, it's a slightly miserable outlook for uh, for twenty twenty four, even though the new PNR president is encouraging us to have a laugh. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you think of the issues
1: that. Uh, at the start of the year i think there was quite a lot of enthusiasm for example around social security reform and um, making the social security system p- particularly fairer for lower earners i mean th- there's almost no resistance to that concept in the states but it's got nowhere because it was going to be at least partially funded by pnr's tax package so that, that has hit the rocks and Social Security are now going to have to try and do that independently of, uh, of, of any kind of reform of the wider tax system. Education, I mean, earlier in the term, the, you know, education had a fairly healthy majority for their uh, reforms to secondary and further education. But they have hit the rocks as a result of of you know, they they don't now have the funding because of the loss of of PNR's tax package, so and PNR itself, of course, has has gone the first senior committee to lose a motion of no confidence in about three decades, as far as, far as I can recall. So everything everything material really has has hit the rocks as a result of um, PNR being unable to get a majority in the states. For uh, tax reform, which which means raising, you know, m- tens of millions of pounds in additional tax revenue, and I doubt their successor PNR committee will be able to build a majority for that either. It'll just
0: wither on the vine slightly until the next term. I well, think. that's where I was going next. So and we're going to have the uh, you know, former president of Policy and Resources in here in a minute. But um, before we, we speak to you, know, the, the, we have a new committee now. 2024 what are they going to achieve you don't think they're going to touch on the big tax issue uh, in the next 12 18 months no i mean i deputy Lyndon trot the new president
1: of pnr has said that he won't stand again at the next election he has very much built his platform on i mean almost a kind of caretaker role for 18 months you know i'm the most experienced uh, person you could elect uh, you know, I'm I'm not divisive in terms of the, the kind of dynamics and tribalism of this state. Uh, and that was a successful pitch for him. It's understandable that he's been elected, given that there is only 18 months left. But I, I, there is no way that this PNR is going to reopen uh, all of the, the issues around um, GST and, and and major tax reform. I think what they might do is start a piece of work where they're able to hand over to the next states, uh, you know, a kind of range of options that the next states might be able to, uh, you know, start running with straight away on tax reform, as we'll pick up with Deputy Furbrush when he comes in. A, a major criticism, probably the major criticism of PNR's tax package, was not so much the detail of it, but the timing of it. You know, they they left it so long in this state's term to go back to the states with with details. You know, two and a half years, which allowed their critics to say, "Look, you know, you you can't realistically even get this package done before the end of this term, and even if we agree it." it's going to become the major election issue and the chances are it will be overturned by the next state so i think in order to get to a more substantial debate about resolving this tax problem early in the next term this pnr might try and do some of the work for their successors I mean that could, you know, technically be overturned. But I think if their successors are able to inherit quite a lot of work that's been done already, it will give them a better chance of making some progress earlier in the term. But I, I don't think we will see any kind of major decision on, on tax um, this side of the election.
0: No. So if tax is off the table, that really only leaves one pro- or two priorities. I guess one is a money value inspection, where I guess the state's has done. All that it can do now to to get ready, and the other one is housing. Do you think that anything is going to be achieved in housing? Are you bricks in the ground, etc.? Well, I, by, I, sorry, by June
1: twenty twenty five. It's it's the, the the old saying about politics events, dear boy, events, which was never actually said, but everyone understands what that means. Um, I think there are so other than those things that will will emerge during twenty twenty four, which we at the moment can't foresee. I, I guess there are four things, as you say, housing. Um, the money val inspection, which is quite key for our financial services industry. Sea-links, uh, because of the, the clear difficulties Condor is, is now having and, and the states wish to secure C links And education, where there is an impasse, uh, and we'll discuss that with Deputy Furbrush as well, between those states members who who say, um, we want to get on with the, the reorganisation of secondary and further education, and another group who say, "Yeah, well, so do we, but we're not prepared to back unfunded borrowing to do it." And at the moment, uh, you know, th- there is a w- well, we don't know how that will be resolved, but I think PNR will want to try to find a way through that with education, sport, and culture. I, I think on housing, as we're reporting in uh, Thursday's Guernsey Press, th- there is now they are trying to lay the groundwork. For, that, for the states getting back into the house building business, aren't they? they? They they believe the Guernsey Housing Association cannot deliver the number of units that are necessary. What is it? More than 700 social housing units needed before the end of 2027. And the GHA, some people would say they're being overcautious. They would say they're being responsible, just are not going to be able to deliver that, that number of units. And the states, I think, are seriously considering... Um, building traditional states houses again uh, and or possibly partnering with private developers to try and and get at least closer to that uh, 700 plus target. If you look at the number of houses that have been built in new housing units annually over not just 5 or 10 years but 20 years, 30 years, 40 years to get to this target of 700 social housing units and seven or 800 new private units by the end of 2027 looks not just ambitious, but, I mean, implausible. And D- Deputy Trott has said, and he might find this is a hostage to fortune, that housing has to be the absolute number one priority, um, you know, for the remainder of, of, of this state's term. It is difficult to see how anything approaching the kind of progress that the state's, has has advertised as necessary can be made, but I mean it needs to be because there's no doubt about the the, uh, the the need and the demand for additional housing. But the the performance over recent years, and not just this stage, not just the past three years, but you know going back up many years, uh, there just there hasn't been anything like that that kind of number of houses built.
0: OK, so that's a quick look at what might be coming up in uh, in 2024 for the states of Guernsey. Anyway, Matt, let's move on now to uh, to your meeting with uh, Deputy Peter Furbrush.
1: Deputy Furbrush, thank you for joining us on the Guernsey Press Politics podcast. Uh, you, uh, of course, uh, are now the former president of the Policy and Resources Committee. Um, perhaps not unexpectedly, but certainly suddenly... Uh, all of a sudden your diary is going to be less <laughs> full than it was. What What are you filling your time with this week? Well, uh,
2: legal stuff, really, uh, because, you know, I've done that forever. Uh, I'm going to do more of it. I've been in the legal practice every day this week. And when do we finish here, I'm going to go in uh, and sort that out. Also sort out a lost phone, but anyway, that's a separate issue. Uh, the, uh, so I've been doing that and... and uh, it's a bit like Harold Macmillan. Harold Macmillan resided as Prime Minister of England, had an operation for a gallbladder, I think, or whatever it was. He woke up and all of a sudden the phones had gone. You know, so whereas you'd be getting on state's business dozens and dozens of emails every day, all of a sudden you get very few. Life has changed, life moves on. He actually he, he thought he was dying. He oh, did. That's you know, why he and, resigned. And that's why he resigned, wasn't it? I remember it? he lived about another
1: thirty years. And he always he always they always said he lived thinking that he might get a call
2: yeah, to, exactly to return as
1: a, a national unity candidate as Prime Minister. Absolutely,
2: he thought that. I don't think
1: that. <laughs> okay, you're not making that analogy. No, no. Um before we, we start properly, can I I just want to say one thing, which is uh you were a very hard working president of the committee. You took on some really tough issues lockdown, tax reform being two of them. Um, And also, and I know I say this on behalf of my colleagues here, you were always very open with us, very accessible. Thank you. um, And to do that from the most senior position in the States, uh, I I think was admirable. And so um, I'm I'm sure you you won't thank me for some of the questions I'm going to ask you, but I wanted (laughs) to start, unusual though it may be, by by saying uh, thank you for for dealing with us in that way. Um, let's just go back to, to the start or just before you were elected as PNR president. Yep. Uh, you had stood four years earlier in 2016 against deputy Gavin St-Pierre and I don't know, on the third or fourth round of voting. Fourth ballot. I lost by one vote. So you knew it was going to be close again because Indeed. it was effectively a rerun of the again, same yeah. election. Is it true that you, for want of a better phrase, did a deal with the Guernsey party? in return for their votes, putting Deputy Helier and Deputy Mahoney on your committee?
2: Not quite. I don't think Deputy Mahoney was a member of the Goods. He wasn't, but he was was very closely associated with it. but Deputy Helier was certainly leading. Tell us about that. No, no, no. What happened was, uh, I remember a meeting at Deputy St Pierre's house, where present were Deputy Helier, Deputy St Pierre, me, and Deputy Salisbury. And it was on a Sunday evening, because Deputy St Pierre had a bad back or something, you know, and he wasn't me he wasn't very well so we had a meeting down at his house because we knew that deputy Helier would have several members of the assembly and i was saying that i was going to put my name forward uh and deputy Sapir was saying he was going to put his name forward and i think at the time though she could speak for herself and i may have got it wrong that deputy salisbury was thinking putting herself forward and i was asked by both deputy salisbury and Sapir, why are you putting your name forward i said because i think i'm the best candidate uh And Deputy uh, Hellyer was there and listened and uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, took note of it. And I believe he did recommend to his colleagues that they should vote for me in that election. But there was no deal as such. But I always thought, because I'd known of Mark before, I didn't know him well, but I knew Mark. I knew he was a very bright chap. Lots of commercial experience, good brain, positivity I thought it, he was bringing a fresh approach to the state. so I certainly said to him would you be on PNR please uh, and would you have a senior role in it. And you prevailed in that election was that slightly unexpected for you? Well yeah I think it was I thought I was the outsider uh, because I think I may have said to you or I certainly said to somebody just a week or two before that, I wasn't going to stand for presidency of PNR uh, and I changed my mind I thought and I'd given assurances to my legal firm that I wasn't going to stand as president because I remember Gavin Farrell tugging cheek saying, hang on, Peter, three days ago you were telling us you were going to stand, there you are. And I apologised to him. Uh, the reason I ask you about how
1: the committee was put together was because during the motion of no confidence debate, it became clear that the composition of, of your P&R was concerning to some members. Yep. Um, I, I think it's right to say... Uh, having listened very carefully to, to every one of the speeches in that debate, that if that was a motion of no confidence in you alone as president, you'd have survived. I think that's probably Quite true. probably survived by, by a reasonable um, yep. margin. Um, so in a sense, you, you had, your committee has been has fallen as a consequence of, of the committee you put together
2: at the start of the term. I mean, do you share that analysis? I, I think, I, I don't want to say, there were four good people well they are four cool people uh, and I'm sorry that two of them are not in senior positions anymore but uh, we've all got different styles uh, and uh, some of their styles w- were seen by some states members who are perhaps more sensitive than others to be too robust I don't agree with that but that was the view of some states members I think what was an irony and there was one speaker in particular who said, I don't like A&B. And A&B had already resigned and confirmed in open states meetings that they weren't going to seek re-election. It wasn't some kind of Machiavellian uh, move to, you know, resign and put their names back. They said, I'm not going to put my name forward, they didn't. So he complained about them, and then he complained about two others. The only one he didn't complain was about me. The only one who's not on PNR voluntarily now is me. That's true. uh, That's just life. And and Deputy Liam McKenna... That's the one I'm talking about. Well, he said...
1: I think the phrase he used was, the wolf is only as strong as the pack. Yeah, And he, he was trying to create the, the, put forward the argument that uh, PNR may have had a good
2: leader, but it didn't have a good enough committee. Well, that's what I understood to be. I've got to say I'm very disappointed in uh, Deputy McKenna because he and I have been good friends for a long time. We will no longer be good friends. I've got to say that, frankly, because... I would have expected him, if he was going to say that publicly, to say, Peter, this is what I'm going to say. You know, we're mates. Uh, I feel I've got to come to this conclusion uh, for that reason. He was saying to me just a day or two before that he was going to vote for me. Mm. So people must do what they think is right. But there are some friendships that are fractured forever. And I have to say, sadly, that's one of them.
1: As the months and years went by, though, did did you get the impression that the, the committee was struggling in, in its relationship with other states members, partly, perhaps even mainly, because of the way in which other members of your committee were engaging with their colleagues. I mean, did you did you know that was happening? I'm not talking about the allegations of misconduct and, and bullying. We, yep. I mean, we can leave all of that to one side because they've been done to death. Yep. But just in the relationships that were being formed and perhaps breaking down, did you know that was happening well, months before? Well, I think...
2: We've been around for three years. Uh, you can't make omelettes without breaking eggs. We've all got different styles. I mean, when it comes to being a litigator, there's nobody more aggressive than me, frankly. Uh, but it's a different style being a politician. And I try to adopt a different style, albeit I hope with a core of steel when it had to have a core of steel. Uh, but I'm not going to criticise my colleagues and say, well, if it hadn't been for blogs or Smith uh, offending deputies, whatever it is, we would have uh, been in a different position. That was their style. That's why they were on the committee. That's why I valued their their contributions. Of course, you
1: lost Deputy Heidi Soulsby as as your vice president. um, I think after a couple of years, so she was with you for yeah, but she about just over two years, and then wasn't for a year. Now, I I believe that she came to you at some point and said, "I can't continue on this committee working with some of the other members," and she felt that you essentially backed them
2: and didn't back her. Mm. Is that how you saw it? No. I mean, private conversations at the request of other members must remain private conversations. It's not for me to say whoever that deputy was, who he or she be. They had a private conversation with me and to say, well, actually, that conversation said. But I didn't back anybody. I tried to well, – when you've got a coalition of people, I mean, it's not like saying a, a prime minister picks the cabinet of people – when I became president of PR, I wanted a coalition. I, uh, although I'd known of John Lutok and knew him for ages, I didn't know him well. I didn't know uh, – I'd been in the States with Heidi Salisbury for a term, but I didn't know Heidi well. Uh, Mark, I knew a bit. Dave Mahoney, I didn't really know at all. So it was a coalition of things. I member of the Guernsey Party, uh, Deputy Salisbury, member of the coalition of whatever they were called, uh deputy top member of that but I knew his expertise was external relations and he's been very good at that and deputy Mahoney was a just the new boy on the block you know commercial experience a strong dealer which he's proven to be over the last three years or so so I thought it was a coalition but you lost the wrong member in a sense didn't you in terms of the
1: balance of the committee the committee's relationship with the states wouldn't you have been better to have backed deputy Soulsby and and, and invited other members to, to resign
2: I didn't back anybody I tried to support all of them uh i tried to build bridges uh and uh deputy salisbury felt that she had to reside it was we had a civil conversation but more than civil we had a friendly conversation i tried to persuade her not to she was determined but again i don't believe in any uh untoward way that she felt after two years or thereabouts that things weren't working out for her so off she went
1: do you think on reflection, because you started with, with those two members who were in their first term yeah. on, on your committee and you ended up with a third in first Murray. term in, in Deputy Murray on the committee? Do you think on reflection, without in any way criticizing the, the skills and qualities of those individuals, that together the committee lacked the kind of experience that was necessary when you were you were dealing with really major tough policies? Well, what
2: I can say is that Deputy Murray had only been in the States for, what, two years or so when he became a member. Uh, but he's a mature man. He's lived a life. He's had business interests. He's worked in the private sector. He's worked in the public sector. He'd been vice president of education for two years or thereabouts. That was a difficult brief, uh, as you would know. Uh, and he, I thought he was a good guy. You know, I didn't know Bob more than that. I sp- had several conversations, obviously, before we nominated him for PR. Uh, Mark Helly has proved himself a very able person. Dave Mahoney, Dave Mahoney dealt with two topics, uh, frankly, uh, in the states that nobody else has dealt with as well. Uh, dealing with the unions, because there's lots of unions in the, the public sector, he was a, he dealt with them extremely well, uh, and uh, also property, which had been, in my opinion, not well managed for a number of years. It's still got a long way to go, but he made big improvements in his tenure. So you don't think
1: your committee suffered from from not having enough political experience? I.
2: We could have had more, but you look at the pluses and the minuses. Uh, you know, if you could have had, I'm not suggesting we should have had more members. But if you'd had seven members, perhaps the balance would have been different. Uh, but we didn't. We had five. I had four. I had to pick four people uh, to join me, and I wanted to, I wanted people of talent. I think the four people were all able people. Now, very early, perhaps in your very first speech, or maybe
1: even when you were standing for election, you somewhat infamously used this phrase, action this day. I did. You said you wanted to run an administration that was characterised by action it, this I day. Did. Um, now, there's no, there's no question that some things have been achieved. But in in some key areas, I mean, ta- the tax problems, public finance problems are largely unresolved. They are. Um, education is, is
2: arguably yeah, but not… But don't forget that. We don't have executive government. No, I accept all that. I, if, if somebody's elected as you're saying education, yeah. health or whoever it is, he or she they'd run that committee. Of course, that's true. But you did you did try and set the tone yes, in, I did. In, in relation
1: to, I did. to action this day. Yeah, and I hope everybody was of the same ilk. Uh, housing, uh, again, uh, other committees are involved, certainly. But, I mean, there hasn't really been an acceleration in, in house building, although there has been in, in land purchase. Inert uh, waste... Uh, is lots not really things. any closer to being resolved. That's the trouble. So, so it a, has sorry. To, ha, to what extent has your three-year term lived up to the
2: the the aspiration for action this day? Well, I think we've done lots of things that, you know, we could list them, uh, but that's not the point. You've highlighted things that we haven't achieved as much as we could. Because we've got a system whereby it isn't an executive form of government, Uh PR is responsible for certain things it's a senior committee but it doesn't frame education policy that's framed by the states of Guernsey it's framed by the education department just as social security matters by ESS or whatever whatever topic that we are dealing with housing has been a disappointment to me we've purchased 31 32 million pounds worth of land that's gone too slowly the procedures are just too cumbersome we've got steps one to nine we should have steps one to three we need radical government I was. And it's been delayed because of the pressures. I was going to, and I sat down with a local architect. Who, I'm not going to say who he is, but it, we, we, we've come up with something which I think is revolutionary. I don't expect it to be approved by the states, but if it did, it would make it would make a big difference. And I've still got a couple of conversations with other people which have been delayed through my fault because I've been dealing with other matters. Uh, that. Could make a big difference, but so, could, so you're going to you're going to bring that to the states. Yeah, yeah. As, as well, an I'm going to bring member. it. I'm going to publicise it now mm. because I, you know, I'm a backbencher now, so I I get to probably an article in the media, you know, and, and, and generate some kind of conversation before I bring it to the states. Because if I brought it to the states, I don't think it would get through. I know you won't want to reveal the details, but in terms of the objectives, the objective, what do you think the objective? Could be the objective like? would to be, would be various, Bring back more cohesive, quicker development. Uh, in a sympathetic way. In other words, not to so suddenly erect a uh, hundred, uh, you know, 10-storey-high properties, although we should be doing more of that. Uh, but but you also mentioned tax. Of course, we did bring two uh, – some people say three. Yeah, but so,
1: hold on, so stay with housing because okay. I'm, I'm Sorry, intrigued. I didn't mean to move on. Sorry. But we will talk about tax where uh, the, the committee, rightly or wrongly, made very brave moves. Yeah. But on housing – the, the, the idea that you're going to to put forward it say in a few weeks once you've had you yeah, finalized your conversations I mean you 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 think it could accelerate the building of the kind of number of homes
2: that we yeah, I need. think it could probably now at this term very because we've only got 16 18 months left of this term. uh I'm disappointed with other houses because I think we've built we've built almost no affordable houses during this term'll 3250 almost none now I did not expect that and I still don't think enough houses are being built in the private sector. Uh, They're just not enough being built. Um, I think we're going to have to look at more radical solutions to do that. Um, But people as well want housing until A, it affects the value of their own house, and B, there's going to be 40 houses built next to them, then they don't want those houses anymore. We're just going to have to make decisions. But the trouble is, we saw an example of the state's uh, new backbone, uh, recently, in their mooring charges. You know, three members of PNR voted against the increase in mooring charges. Now, I didn't want to increase them, but the, not everybody who owns a boat's rich. A lot of people aren't. They're just ordinary people who want to go out, you know, uh, sail or motor their boat on a weekend to Herb or round to Sark or whatever it may be. They're good people, they haven't got a fortune. But it was, a, it was a decision that people that only got through by the skin of its teeth. That if Def, Deputy Lester Carapol's comments to the paper or, right, or media recently, he'd, he'd have voted differently because 14 people contacted him and said, it's difficult to, but we can't afford it. So that's the challenge. Mm. On tax and public
1: finances, I think you and I would agree that, that this state just hasn't had the appetite. Yeah to deal with the size of the challenge that is evident to anybody who spends any time looking at the figures. But do you think that policy and resources made a mistake? I don't mean by proposing GST, because whether that policy was right or wrong, it was, was clearly well considered. But by leaving it too long from your election to going back to the States, it nearly two and a half years passed yeah, before I you think, put firm
2: proposals yeah, for the well, States. What, what we wanted to do was to make sure it was well-researched and balanced as possible that every every avenue was looked at every stove was you know all that kind of stuff every otherwise it would have been this is too early you haven't considered this you haven't considered that every single thing was considered and it took a time and a time and I mean it wasn't you know we had Peter Roffey and a member of an unstate member of ESS on that uh, working group and uh, frankly I was hoping there'd be some corporate miracle and if we press some kind of corporate body we get another 100 million pounds I'm being slightly facetious but we looked at that, and we were told the best we could get was the figure that we got, uh, that we're looking at. That was the best without frightening the corporate sector away. And people say, "Oh, well, why bother about that? If we frighten them away, we'd be a big trouble." So you don't really think that that PNR
1: made any errors, which resulted in GST not getting through? You, you- people
2: say we could have communicated better first time round. Well, that may or may not be true. Uh we could have communicated we did communicate better, I fully accept second time round, it still didn't work. We got the same we would have got the same number of votes except Deputy Elotop was ill, so we didn't get his vote on that day. Otherwise we'd have had exactly the same number of votes as we had previously. Uh so uh it's arrogant if you say, Of course we didn't make any errors. I wish there was another solution. I genuinely wish there was another solution. And I'd be grateful if there was. And if there was, we were when it wasn't a philosophical thing, you know, we've got to have GST with in the overall package that it was GST or nothing. Uh, but there were no other ideas that were going to come up and bridge this massive financial gap that's looming large. People say, well, you've got an extra 8 million here, an extra 10 million there. The gap. It's further and further away all the time. And the further away it is, the more difficult it is to deal with. Mm,
1: it's tens of millions, certainly, isn't yeah. it? rather than millions. What do you think the outcome is going to be on tax? Do you, do you, are you pretty confident that in the end, Guernsey will have a GST?
2: I think sadly, yes. And I say sadly, yes. I mean, people talk about wind farms bringing in fortunes. Well, when we debate that, when we come back with a government work plan, I'm going to be asking questions about, don't look at the past and say, oh, we did it there, we should have got this. Come up with concrete figures, that, you know, we're going to get five million next year, 20 million in five years time, because I hope a genuinely, genuinely, genuinely hope that something like wind farms will produce a good income for us. But you can't pay wages on income that we're not pretty well assured of. Uh, with GST, you've got to buy cars. Well, you've got to buy cars. You know, you buy things. People buy things. So you're going to get a, 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 an income uh, GST. As I say, it was a, it was a new it was a nuanced package, as you know, to make sure that those who were less well off uh, were assisted as best you can. Not every there would have been victims, of course, there would in, in any in any situation there were going to be victims. You know, I, I just want to go back to my outside toilet stuff, but uh, the position in connection with that is that I come from that background. The rich of always look after themselves. It's the ordinary person that's got the decent, ordinary Guernsey person that's got to be looked after. That's my responsibility. That's what I try to do. It may be misunderstood. I can only say I was doing my best. Now, tax was an issue within
1: PNR's um, mandate. Uh, education, another huge issue in the states, of course, is outside mm-hmm. of PR's mandate. Yep. But you, you had a role in trying to coordinate yes. policy across the states. There is an impasse, isn't there? there? There is a group of states members committed to education's model. Yep. Uh, and there's another group of states, and they won't budge on that, and there's another group of states members who won't provide what they call unfunded borrowing to fund the education's model or possibly any model. Yep. Did you at any point go to education and say, look, I, I advise you in the strongest possible terms, you need to compromise You've got to get the cost down. You probably have to leave the sixth form centre where it is. And if you do, we might be able to
2: get a majority to get the Guernsey Institute built. No, not in those terms, because for two reasons. First, I've got great confidence in uh, the majority of the uh, the the politicians on that committee. Uh, Secondly, we've got to get on with education. Thirdly, and I did all the research and looked at everything because that's the way it worked. I was convinced it was better to have the six Form Centre where the Education Committee is sending it for all kinds of reasons. You know, we can spend 20 minutes talking about why. So, no, I questioned in my own mind. I spoke to uh, Deputy Dudley Owen and her team, uh, but in a constructive way, saying, I think this, what do you think that? And I think they just thought, and I don't think they were being dogmatic because they're not that kind of people. You know, they're not. It's our way or the highway. They're not. They're just not that kind of people. I mean, you know from our previous experience, and they know that, and it's no gang back that I still favoured selection. And I think that's been a massive. That's where we started because the people who voted, and i am show you who they are, the people who voted to bring down the current education, the, sorry, the old education system, to me should have had a blueprint. They should have just said, lock Jericho down, lock the walls of Jericho down. They should have said, this is how we're going to rebuild Jericho, and they didn't do that. And that's where we've been struggling now for the last five, six, six years. But we've got a – I use the old terminology – we've got a college of further education that's in a its in a pig's order. People say, oh, you, you can teach people in the back of the thing. You know, it's in a pig's order. We've got something that needs to be done. Parents are unsure as to their children's future education. They've been unsure for too long. Uh, we've just got to move on. And it's got to be a different – I would like us to have had a completely different model to everybody really, in the sense of some kind of Scandinavian model. Uh, we value technical courses, just as much as we value academic courses. They're all important. We exchange, we have some kind of fluid system where kids, you know, you take an 11 plus, I'm calling it that, well, let's call it that, but that's gone at so-and-so, but you realise at 13, perhaps you're in the wrong institution, so you move. It's not seen as a down thing, but you're you're better suited somewhere else. Uh, and your skills, and at 15, 16, you, you, your views are often, your skills are found out better than they might have been at 10, 11, 12 years of age. Uh, you know, you suddenly found. I mean, I never studied law till I went to law school. I suddenly found something that I could do, probably better than anything I'd ever done as a student. Everything that I'd done as a student, it was just something that I could do. You know, I had to work hard because I've always worked hard. But you know, you had 15, all of a sudden you decide that catering is for you. Well, you never really thought of that before or being a plumber or being an IT person, as fluid and flexible systems we could have. And uh,
1: urgency is now, as you have alluded to, absolutely key, isn't it? It is. Uh, so how do you think this is going to end? I mean, it, it, do you think that building a majority in the States in the end is going to require the committee to compromise on its
2: model or not? Well, I don't think it's because, as you've said, really, there are two camps. Uh, and I think one camp, but it's not the education uh, camp, the education policy camp, just seemed to me to be of a view that it's their model or nothing. I think there's less, there's more intransigence on their side than the other. And any kind of excuse will come up. I mean, my current view, as I sit here now as a backbencher, is that I'd spend some of our reserves, which I wasn't going to say before. So we, we don't have to worry about the borrow. We've got to sort that out. I get out to do the work that needs to be done. Did you nearly propose that nearly,
1: when you were quite. on
2: PNR? Yeah, but but not quite. But because, that's what I because I of the that. views of other members of your
1: you you were well, more sympathetic to that than other members of your well, committee. I, you? I'm not speaking, but my own, I'm speaking as my own view
2: now. And and you think that's what this PNR? Perhaps I could think it's what this states behind. this yeah. states should do. I've not criticised the UPNR. Be I mean, good to speak, they've hardly got their you know their feet uh, under the table, as it were. Uh, and they find they've got a lot of work to do. And I very much hope that they will do it. Um, in a minute, I'll ask you
1: about your, your advice to your your successes. But just running through a, a few quick questions. Um, what do you think was your p most
2: lasting achievement? I think being brave. Uh, because I sat there with four people. And it was a different four people after you know, about November uh, a year ago. And generally, they were brave. They were willing to take decisions. They were positive. Uh, they didn't pre- prevaricate. Of course, there were disagreements. Uh, but they were they were people who weren't afraid to put their head above the parapet. And that was difficult to do because I don't think that you know, that could be said of the of the majority of the other states members. And your committee's biggest mistake? I suppose that uh, – and it's a point you mentioned earlier. We could have nuanced a bit more, really, I think, probably uh, – Put arms around people a bit more. It's. I mean, I tried that. I, I was the one that established the president's meetings, which didn't exist before. Uh, I'm not criticising anybody else. We perhaps could have done that a bit better.
1: What about your lowest point in your three year tenure? I mean, I'm. With your achievements and your errors are all committee yes, errors because that's our system of government. But personally, as as PNR president, what your lowest point when you the time you went home and thought,
2: do I really need this anymore? Yeah, I think after the. Second, what I call it, finance debate. Mm. You know, the fli I think I, th- I thought, then what is... the? I did say... Like, I think I have hinted to you uh, previously. I thought, what's the point of this? We're not... Our system is such that we're not going to achieve anything. We don't have enough people in the States, or good people, uh, with enough courage uh, to be able to make decisions. Because uh, hard decisions are hard to make. And some people find them very difficult to make. And also, uh, somebody... There was a picture in this newspaper, or no, no somewhere, uh, anywhere recently, not been in this newspaper, of the states of 2000, just as it was coming out at the end of 2000. There were 50-odd members in the states at that time. I think of that 50-odd members, 14 were foolish-time po- politicians, 43 had businesses or other work. I think the position now is, I may have got the arithmetic wrong, it's 30 that are foolish-time politicians and 10 that are not. And I would have probably, even though I worked all those long hours, I was probably one of the ten who were not. So I think the, I think it's changed too much. Too I, many I, politicians with too much time on their hands. Is that well, part I think of the with, problem? You I, think? I honestly think uh, people are hardworking conscientious. And if you're on something like the Education Committee, or the Health Committee, or as some of our states members are as a deputy, that's a lot of work. But I think we've got too many deputies. I don't think, being a deputy, this is a general statement. It's not aimed at any particular person to me, and I'm talking about my previous time two ninety four 94 to 2000 now, should not be a full-time job. You should to, you're should, going to go to your committees and your states, but you should be able to do it, especially in an island where we're, we're gasping and looking for people to work. So perhaps in the old days when you had to work eight till five, it was more difficult. Now, an employer will say, oh, okay, you can only give me four hours on a Thursday afternoon. I'd rather have that than nothing. Uh, can you work Saturday mornings or can you work in the evenings? I think that should be what people should be striving for. And we could reduce the number of state members by how many, do you think, reasonably? Well, what I would do, what I would do, and these are my current thoughts, and so they may change. I would reduce the number to no the than 25, uh, and I would uh, reduce the pay to £10,000 a year. That's what I would do. That's pretty radical stuff. And people say, oh, you just want rich people in. No, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, the I can remember when I, when I became president of the Board of Industry in 1997. I'd been the vice president before. And when I was vice president, the meetings would go on for a long time. I thought, one well, way to do this is start the meetings at five o'clock. It's funny, they were finished by half past six. Uh, you know, so I think those are the, I'm not saying that's the panacea. That's just a, a, an example. What surprised you the most
1: when you went to this PNR president or you'd been there a while? I mean, there must've been something
2: you thought, I didn't realise this works like this, or
1: what? What? what was the I think that I just, surprised? I
2: just think, even though I'd been a in the politics a fair bit of time, and I've been interested in politics forever, uh, is the amount of work involved as being president of PNR. It was, a, it's a vast amount, and I'm sure that my predecessor, deputy, would be a very able, conscientious person would say the same thing.
1: Let's just look look ahead now, because uh, there are 18 months of this state's term yep. remaining. Um, are you going to be a, a troublemaker on the back benches?
2: No, because I don't think that's productive. What I said was when I was interviewed before the vote of no confidence in an, by another member of the media is that it, he said, would you, will you support the president? I, I will. Whoever, I didn't know was Linda Troll at the time, but it doesn't matter, it's Lyndon. I will support Linda and his team. That doesn't mean I'll be slavishly following them. But the presumption, in my view, will be that they're going to get a decision right, so I'd have to be satisfied that I thought they got something wrong. Are you an admirer of Deputy Trot as a politician? He's been around, what, 20-odd years as a politician? 23, I think. Yeah, it? yeah. Uh, I like Lyndon. He's a character. Uh, he likes himself as well. I think he would accept that. Uh, there's no greater admirer of Lyndon than Lyndon. Uh, but uh, he is a person of – you know, he's a good operator – he is a good operator. He's got lots of commercial experience now because you know, he's been doing that for 20, I don't know how many years. Say twenty, it might be more. Uh, twenty years. Uh, he will bring a goodwill with him. I think he was probably surprised that he only got twenty-one votes. I think he was probably surprised in the first ballot that he only got a third of the states voting for him because I think he might have thought, you don't said it to me. I'm just saying what I think, so I may be wrong." That it would be a bit of a correlation, uh, and it was more of a battle. But he's been elected. Uh, I mean, Deputy Superior was elected by one vote, when I was elected, it was a bit more than that. But it was still a close vote. Uh, he's got the mandate. He's the politically astute, isn't he? He, he is very astute. proved that he... over his time in politics. I mean, do you
1: think, w- would your PNR have been stronger if he'd been on it?
2: Well, I, I offered him, when I back in 2020, as he was saying, I said, would you like to come on PNR? And he thought about it. And constructive, they were good, constructive conversations. You know, it wasn't, oh, well, you, 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 you I was, I supported Deputy Superior, so why should I support you? It wasn't that kind of conversation at all. He thought about it uh, and declined it. So the offer was made, uh, what, three and a half, three and a bit years ago. What is
1: the one piece of advice you would give him as your successor?
2: <laughs> Watch your back. Why'd you say that? Because I think that, as I've said, I'm disappointed in them. Of course, I'm disappointed in the at national conference. I predicted before it would be, uh, it would be uh, not, I got the vote wrong, but I predicted w- that we would lose because you could see that the the mood was, the tide went in and out, but it was it was going out more than it was coming in. And the analogy I had in my mind, I thought about that this morning, if you were going to ask me that question. And I thought it was a bit like when I was a young 16, 17 year old and I'd go to the discotheque would ask the attractive girls to dance with me. I'd be disappointed when they said no, but I wasn't surprised. Uh, And so I was disappointed with the result, but I wasn't surprised. He's only got 18 months. There's a lot to do during that 18 months. There are some no-nos that Lyndon, who is an astute, able person, will know. He's not going to be able to do much about the fiscal position. Education is going to be very difficult, unless we do the kind of thing that I've suggested, because the state has not got uh, the will to borrow lots of money, unless it knows where the funding comes from uh so that's what i mean by that i mean the people in his committee are honorable people i'm not gonna i don't mean he could look over his shoulder at any of the four of those because they're honorable people but you felt stabbed in the back by by some of your previously close friends as much as colleagues yeah absolutely i don't mind people disagree with me i mean you know when you and i are in the states we disagreed on lots of things but we were always friendly uh and uh there are lots of people, members of the current states that we may disagree with, e.g. Deputy Salisbury, but we were always friendly. We, uh, you know, uh, I don't think we ever had a row. Uh, well, she may remember what <laughs> I can't, but I, I, you know, I think she would say that we got on well, uh, although we didn't always agree. But there are some of my friends who are no longer my friends, not because they voted against me, but because of the way they conducted themselves and they will never be my friends again. Not the, that doesn't mean all 23 people, I'm not talking about that at all, not by a long, long, long way. But, uh, there are two or three in particular that friendships now are past tense.
1: You uh, reached the top in, in your chosen career in, in Guernsey after a period when you, you worked, practiced law in England as well. Mm. Uh, and now you've reached the top locally in in politics. How will you look back, do you think, on your your three-year tenure?
2: I think with – price not the right word, because I've never been satisfied with what I've done. Uh, I've always had this, I could do better, whether it's as a lawyer, as a human being, a lot better as a human being, or as a uh, politician. So lots of things I'd like to achieve. What probably would have happened, you know, life can intervene. I've said publicly on quite a few occasions previously that I was going to be a one term, even if I wanted to, you know, I wasn't going to put my name forward for it second term as PNR, because I think it is, without having to put rules in that it should be, a of, I don't mean a, against Deputy Trump, he stepped in for a short period of time. But uh, I might well have then said, OK, if I am elected next time, I would have put my name forward and be a backbencher. I'm not going to do that now.
1: Yeah, why is that? Because that, that is a very recent... Change it is. Very, mark, it's recent,
2: it? almost to the last, you know, of a chamber of mind about Is that because you're you're fed up over... What well, happened? I think it's realised that the state didn't want me. And I don't think the... I can't say what would happen in election. What I can say is that, and I don't speak in hyperbole or uh, super adjectives as perhaps one or two other people do in the states. Uh, the I've had so many people in supermarkets, in the street. I'd buy some cards just yesterday. I would say an ordinary lady. That oh, that sounds terrible, but you know what I mean. A decent, normal citizen. I didn't know at a certain age. Tapped me on the shoulder. Said, "Really sorry. It's a great loss." Now that to me means a lot because that person. I've had people who have said, I don't agree with you on GST. It was the wrong thing for Guernsey. But you were the right person doing the right job. And you were doing it honourably. I've had that said so many times. Now, there'll be lots of people say, oh, I'm glad he's gone. You know, others will do it better. Uh, the march round with flags and swing Caroline mark II and all that kind of stuff. Fine. I think if there was an election, and I'm not being overconfident, I think I might well get re-elected as a deputy. I'd find out. But you're,
1: but you're not going to put that to the test?
2: No, because life moves on. I'm going to go back and do more law. I've got other things I probably want to do as a lawyer. Uh, uh, sorry, as a person, I mean. Uh, I always thought I'd write an Ebenezer LePage book. And I've got jottings all over the place. From and I've got to put those together. Whether I ever finish it, you know, it's a bit like lots of people are going to write books they ever finish. I think I quite like to do that, a modern-day Ebenezer LePage book. Uh, so that's perhaps a, a day. Uh,
1: finally, do you care how other people look back and remember your time as PNR president. I mean, how interested are you in
2: writing your own history, as it were? No, no. Well, one of my, one of my greatest, 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 uh, well, the people I've greatest by is Winston Churchill. And to a degree, Winston wrote his own history. Uh, because again, we expect our heroes to be infallible and they never are. You've got to look at them on balance. Uh, I don't really mind. You know, I never was in it for a destiny, uh, for a, you know, this is my, uh, I've left something behind, you can look at what Peter Fairbrush did. I was there to do, as I was with the lawyer or anything, do a practical practical job.
1: Deputy Fairbrush, thank you for your time. You. And happy Christmas and, and best to wishes and for to the new year. After
0: Gurdjie Press, I hope they buy the press. So some sage advice there from uh, from Deputy Peter Furbush, uh, and I, I agree with him one hundred percent, and possibly even for the first time. Anyway, um, the Guernsey Press Politics podcast will be back in 2024. Uh, the first meeting of the new year is in the, uh, towards the end of January and we uh, will be around with the shorthand states after every day of, of debates. But uh, until then, uh, from uh, Matt and myself, we wish you a happy Christmas and a, uh, a very um, interesting new year.